Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, I got a special word for you. The title of this message is Battle for Your Worship. Now, we have some, I have some cool things up here because I can get away bringing this up. I probably couldn't get away bringing a nine millimeter up on the stage. Or it'd be a service you'd never forget. I said, man, pastor had a handgun. He was waving it around. But I can get away. And how many of you know when you look at this, what does this represent? What? Honor. But it represents a weapon right? That can be used for what? Warfare, right? It, it's something that can be used to protect. It can be used as something to attack. Same thing with a helmet and a sword and all of these things. These things are used for battle. They're used for combat. And we have to realize that there is a battle raging for our worship. Now, either you're a worshiper or you're not. Now, I would say, if you're not a worshiper, are you even saved? Would be, would be the challenge that I would challenge you because how many of that offended you? You're like, man, come on. Because really, we are created to worship. We are created with a purpose and a plan. And, and I want to unpack this morning, uh, um, just think about it. How many of you like action movies? Action scenes where you have one person fighting over here and you have the other person fighting. And how many of you love you know, the, 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 the conflict of when one is about to win and then it goes the other way and you're hoping that the good guy wins, right? But without opposition, without conflict. And in that, in that battle scene, what do we see? We see a battle between good and evil. We see a battle between flesh and blood. We see a battle and warfare in the world in the realm of this planet, right? We see this battle raging, and we have to realize that that is a physical blood battle, right? But let me tell you what. Do you know what God actually gives us direction towards? In Ephesians 6:12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, which most of us think, well, I'm battling against my brother, but it's broader than that. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against rulers or principalities or against powers. But it, it, is, it is against powers of this dark age and this world against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whoa, 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 Pastor. What are you talking about heavenly realms? I believe that this morning if we could put on our spiritual spectacles and see what is happening around us, we would see heavenly warfare all around us. We talk about angels and demons and all of these things and oppressions and all of these things are real, okay? These are not made up. And, you know, that's why sometimes entertaining movies that you watch, exposure to things, they can affect you spiritually. You know, just because you can watch it doesn't mean that it's acceptable, right? Just because you can tolerate it doesn't mean that you should play with it. All of these things matter because we have to realize that there is a spiritual attack for our lives and for our worship. We have to realize that all around us, a battle between good and evil is happening right now before our very eyes. But one of the biggest battles that we will face in our life is our battle for our worship. 
So when we look at the word worship, worship is worthship, what we show worth towards a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration of a deity, anything that it, we ascribe great worth to. Now, let me challenge you here. Our worship can be, it should be towards God, but it can be worship of things created or not created. Our worship can be focused in things that are not of God. And it's not, worship is way bigger than just what we do on a Sunday morning. Like you say, Pastor, we just worshiped, right? We just worshiped and we praised and we exalted God in this place. Worship is what you do with your life. Because I think sometimes we're really good at worshiping God on Sundays, but we miss it Monday through Saturday. It's not just the physical expression of raising our hands, of clapping. Now, are those things expressions of worship? Absolutely. But one does not guarantee the other. And we have to realize that there is a battle, there is something happening, but anything that we ascribe or attribute or credit worth to. So worship is a big deal. Worship really, really matters. So when we worship God in the way that he designed us to, do you realize, you know what happens? I really want to paint a really good picture for you this morning. Do you realize that when we worship like God wants, it infuriates the devil? We're talking about infuriates the devil. He actually cares. Yeah, he really, really cares because you have to realize the position that we have now is the position that he lost. And there is a crosshair on worship because he gets frustrated. He gets irritated when we get the honor and privilege to do what he was kicked out of heaven for really responding in a way. That was never, he, he really violated the rule. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Um, but prior to Satan's fall, his, his name was actually Lucifer. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to do the best I can with some historical angelic background. Give me grace. This is a slippery slope. It's hard to do, but I'm going to try to stay safe this morning. Okay. Um, but Lucifer, he was made by God for God. He was made by God. All angelic beings are created by God for a purpose with a plan. And they, have a, they are commissioned and instructed to do something. But how many of you know there also has to be free will? Okay. They are instructed in what to do, but they are, there also has to be a follow through. Otherwise, the devil would have never got kicked out of heaven. Because he would have been forced to do versus making a choice of his own, which his choice was a fatal flaw and got him kicked out of heaven, which we'll look at in just a minute. But there are, main, there are three primary reasons that the angels were created. So here are the three primary functions. Number one, for worshiping God, Revelations 4.8. I'm not going to get into all of these scriptures. You can take a quick picture, write these down. Executing God's will as messengers, as voices to people. And then also ministering to the saints. These are the three primary. Are there other things that they do? Absolutely. But these are the three primary areas that we see why were angelic beings created? What was their purpose? What was their plan? What were, who are the main angels mentioned in the Bible? So Gabriel, which was always the messenger angel, you know, the, the, the angel showed up and declared a word. This was Gabriel. Michael, he was really the disputing angel who warred against the devil. Okay, we're going to look at that passage in just a minute, that he actually warred against Satan and, and was part of the heavenly war that happened that got the devil kicked out of heaven. And then we have Satan, who his name was Lucifer, um, before the fall, but he was the fallen angel that got kicked out of heaven. I want us to look at a quote this morning, because this is kind of going to be some of the framework as we move forward. But how many of you have ever heard of the book, Art of War? 
Okay, so you know this is Sun Tzu, and this is his statement. He was the he was the number one of the number one guys that specialized in warfare tactics. So this is what he, this quote says. It says, "If you know the enemy and, and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. But if you know yourself, but not your enemy." For every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Let me read that one more time. If you know your enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. But if you know yourself but do not know your enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer defeat. So you know what we're going to do this morning? This may be something you have never been exposed to, you have never thought about. We are going to look at who the devil is. I don't, ever, I don't ever remember sitting under a teaching like this. We are going to actually look at the enemy, his nature, what he did, why he fell. And we are going to really look at our enemy so we know how to prepare. You want to travel with me this morning? We're going to look at it. Because the more we know his tactics, the more we can defend ourselves from his tactics. We do not want to be naive of our enemy. We spend a lot of time looking at God, and we don't realize the devil when he's looking us in the face. So we want to know his nature. We want to know his tactics. We want to know what he is trying to rob from us in our life. And I believe that he is so frustrated and irritated and angry towards worship. He, does, he wants you to live a life not of worship of God, but worship of self. And that is a dangerous thing because when we choose to say, I am going to be a worshiper of self, that entitles me to be God of the throne of my life. And we have to realize that when the devil got kicked out of heaven, it was because he exalted himself before God and he said, I will be like God. And God did not allow it. And he got kicked out of heaven. But we have to realize that Lucifer, the devil, turned God worship into self-worship. So let's look at a few passages this morning. It's going to be lengthy, and you might not have even known that these passages were in your Bible. But this is directly talking about the devil, Lucifer, Satan. You know, he does, he's not a guy that runs around in a red cape with a pitchfork. He's a lot more strategic and smarter than that. Than Hollywood gives him credit for. But let's look at this first passage from Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. And it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It says, you were the seal of perfection. So realize, this is talking about the devil. Right? It's talking about Satan. It's talking about Lucifer. So wrap your mind around this. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you, which means that every precious stone actually covered him. It was his covering. And it says, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and your mounts were made of gold. And on the day you were created, that you were prepared. You were anointed as the guardian cherubim, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in the ways from, in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, or that's your occupation or your job, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of God and I expelled you, guardian cherubim, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud. 
on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Verse 18, by your many sins and dishonest trade, you have been uh, desecrated, desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out of you and it consumed you and I reduced you to ash on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you were appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. How many of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that? Okay, let's go to another passage, Revelations 12, 7 through 9. It says, Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon, this is talking about the devil, all right, stay with me, was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth. And his angels with him. Now we're going to go to Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth, you, were, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mighty, on the mount of, of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And listen to this. I will make myself like the most high. One more passage. Revelations 12, 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. So there was this war that was, man, a lot of imagery here, right? How many of you said, man, I didn't realize what happened and that as he violated God's rule, he was kicked out of heaven. He was cast down, but he fought because he thought he was right. And uh, so Satan and his angels rebelled against God and they were removed from their position of authority. And now they are destined for judgment. It is a unredeemable violation to God. Okay, so we have to understand that the devil's fallen nature and his tactics to avoid his plan to destroy our lives. When we understand who he is and what he has lost, he wants us to lose the same thing he lost. He wants to validate. And, you know, uh, how many of you have ever heard that whisper of that you can become great in your own eyes? That pride of life, that thinking you have arrived, that you have. Because I tell you what, the enemy is whispering the same thing in your ear because he thinks it's true. And I still think that he is still deceived to some nature that thinks that he is going to have the ultimate victory at the end. But what is happening, his time is short. But what does it say? What does that last passage say? His time is short, but those on the earth beware because he is filled with fury. It's like a hornet's nest. What do you do when you hit a hornet's nest? You hang out. Boom, swatted. Come on, give me your best shot. No, you were moving. And those bees are the equivalent of Satan in the earth right now. He is ticked off beyond belief, and he has you in his crosshairs. He has lost the war in the heavenlies, but he is warring against the earth to rob and kill and steal from us. 
And what he wants us to do, he wants to break that relationship, break that fellowship that we have before Father God because that was taken from him when he got, when he got the position, of his positional authority mixed up in heaven. He messed it up. All right? So this morning, we are going to look at three battles for your worship. Three battles that you have to win, you have to understand, you have to pay attention to. So number one, God alone is worthy of our worship. God alone. There is nothing else created, fabricated, even the way you think, even if you think something is deserving of worship, none other than God is worthy of our worship. That it's all about him, it's not about me. Now, I'm going to pause just for a moment. I am a worship guy. I love worship. But I have found myself sometimes being critical of worship. What I think is a good song, what I think is a bad song, when I think the music's too loud, when I think the music's too quiet, uh, it's too dark, it's too light, the chairs are too close, the chairs are too far. I can be a critic of worship with the best of them. But what always keeps me engaged in a moment of worship is realizing that worship is not about me, but it's about him. Doesn't matter about the song. It doesn't matter. I mean, there is a balance to the volume because I want to be able to have hearing for a long time. So I'm busting my guys up. Trust me, Pastor Noe's trying to pay attention to how loud is too loud, but I also know how quiet is too quiet. But we want to be able... To, to really be in a place to where we can worship God in spirit and in truth. That it's about, is God being pleased with what I'm offering? Is God being satisfied in what I'm offering? How many of you will have your hands lifted up and, and, you're, and you have the visual expression of worshiping God, but you're thinking about lunch? Or you're thinking about the football game and we are disengaged from a moment of engagement with Father God. And we are missing the most sacred, precious gift that God has given us as far as access into his holy of holies. That's what we get the privilege of doing. We get to come before his throne of grace with what? Confidence. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. Not because I had a good week or a bad week, but because of what Jesus did, I now have access to the Father. And this is a precious moment. This is not something that everybody gets to experience. But sometimes we take worship for granted, like it's always there or it's always available. And we don't cherish every moment. How many of you married couples used to go on dates? You remember them good dates, right? Man, when you were just infatuated with that spouse, their eyes never looked so pretty. You don't even remember the movie you watched. Come on, let's go. You see, I might have knocked the dust off of somebody. I've got to go way back. What have we gotten to now sometimes in most of our relationships? We've gotten comfortable with that relationship. Where we go to the movie, we forgot the spouse was there. We remember the meal, and we never looked at our spouse. It's kind of backwards, right? But I think sometimes our relationship with God can get like that. We get comfortable because we've been doing it for a while. Well, let me tell you what. Date night with God never gets old. You're the fuddy-duddy in the equation. He always wants, he's always going to show off and show out, and he's going to show up, and he's going to show you a facet of himself that you've never seen. I know husband and wife, sometimes we get bored with each other. It's like, well, we've seen everything. we talked about everything. We've been married a long time. But I'll tell you what, with God, it's not always like that. 
But the focus of worship has to be on exalting God. It has to be focused on him. We were created by God to bring him pleasure, living lives of worship to him. That's why I said it's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just I show up on a Sunday and I worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Right? It would be like me saying, well, you know, I'm going to be married to my wife on Sunday, but not Monday through Saturday. That's not really how it works. I didn't see that on the marriage vows where I had an option of selective relationship, right? You know, we were in that covenant relationship for a lifetime, and that's what happens when we give our lives to Jesus. But we have to make sure that our focus of our worship is always God-centered and not me-centered. It can't be focused on me. How many of you know that there's a difference between Savior and Lord? We say that all the time. God is my Lord and Savior. Savior, yes, because he saved us from sin. When we talk about the word Lord, that means he is boss. He is number one, and you are never number one. You don't even compare. You will never be on the same level. It don't matter your creativity. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. You will never be equal to God. You have to realize that. Exodus 23, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. How many of you all know that passage? You shall have no other gods. So you realize the question there was not him being the supreme God. It was other gods stepping in the way of who he, he was always number one, right? But God knows that we will be challenged for placing other gods, may it be um, created beings or deities and God, little g, not big G, Okay. And there are many gods in the earth today that many people give worship and commitment to. But the devil, he wants to destroy you in the same way that he got kicked out of heaven. By promoting pride and self-worship in your heart. Making yourself in the equivalent of God. That's putting yourself before God. You know, I always pray, Lord, always please be seated on the throne of my heart. Because I know my desires and my passions, those are the things that are going to get me. I'm smart enough to know I'm a lot dumber than God. I never think, oh, I'm going to be as smart as God. That's not. But that pride of our hearts and what we see as valuable often comes out of the heart. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you have said dumb stuff sometimes? Right? How many of you said something and you tried to grab it back and you could? You're like, oh, stupid words, right? That our heart really is the core of our being. And if our heart is yielded to God, we will always stay in right standing with what he wants. We have to be careful because the pride of life, the pride of life, the pride of life, or who I think I am, the devil will entertain that and he will, th- he will make you be as important as you think you are. Because that's how he tripped up. That's how he failed. So God alone is worthy of our worship. Number two, you are not the object of your worship. All right? We're quick to say, oh, well, I didn't like that, or I didn't like this, or we feel like we are the main ingredient in our worship. Worship is for God, not for you. You know, there, we have to understand that equality with God is never something to be grasped. We will never arrive. We will never get to this place. We will have to understand that. And that's what the devil missed. He thought he could be greater than God. Philippians 2, 6 through 7, 
It says, who, this is this talking about Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. So Jesus, in becoming human, he made himself nothing. He became a servant. He was obedient even to the point of death on a cross, even though he was all God. And think about this. Even though he was all God, he, he, he relinquished, he forfeited his position, and he submitted fully to the Father in, the, in, in a physical human body. Well, let me tell you what. That's what we should be modeling. Not prideful arrogance. Jesus always did what pleased the Father. How many of you see that throughout Scripture? He always did. He says, I'm here to please my Father. Hey, I don't speak my own words, but whatever the Father says, that's what I do. His focus was always to bring the Father pleasure, not to bring the focus of himself. Um, I'm going to kind of jump on this just for a minute. So a caution to platform ministries, that includes myself. We have to really, really be careful and not mistake our ministry and, and think that the people are focusing on us. Because let me tell you what, how many eyes are on me right now? All of them. So guess what I can do very easily? Huh. Look at that. You want to come over here? Y'all watch me come this way? I feel pretty special. Right? You, you can get to this position where we think the eyes are on me. So I must be the most important person on the room. Start to sound like the devil a little bit, Pastor. You better calm down. Man, you know, and you think that the gaze was on you where now you think that your position of authority or greatness gets on the same realm of God. And you think that you become the object of people's worship rather than God being the object of people's worship. So then you'll start maybe showboating a little bit. I'm going to play that little lead lick, but I'm going to look at you while I'm doing it. I'm going to strive to entertain rather the, the hearts of people rather than in, entertaining the heart of my father. I'll begin to focus on what I think the people want rather than what God wants to say in the place. I'll make it focused about looking good rather than being vulnerable and real and really sharing my heart because I don't want to look bad. I want people to see what I want them to see. I don't want them to see the real me. Man, it's a dangerous place. Because on platform ministry, the eyes are on you, but you have to realize that you cannot get in the way of people's worship. You cannot be the focus of people's worship. The moment we think worship is about us, it is a dangerous place, and we are this close from getting kicked off of a platform. Just like the devil was kicked out of heaven. It's like, man, I don't want to be on this worship team no more. Put too much pressure on me. I'll tell you what, if you keep your heart on pleasing God, you will never fail. Because I believe that those giftings and callings of God are irrevocable and he's called you to use them to bring him glory. But keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't be an entertainer of the people. Don't be a person of self-worship, but be a person of God worship. Because that's when we'll miss it. The goal is to keep people's eyes on God, not on yourself. If there's anything good that people see in me, it's because God did it and the Father worked it out in my life. Right? If there's anything good that you see in me, always remember, they're not worshiping you. It's a hard word. It's a challenging word. Let me let that marinate just a moment. I'm going to keep moving. 
The devil said, I will make myself like God. I will make myself like the Most High. True worship is a beautiful thing in the eyes of God. We have to realize that really we are the priests who get the privilege of worshiping before a holy living God. That we get to worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to do what the enemy lost. So the, the, the devil really wants to manipulate our worship and make it about us. How many of y'all have ever judged worship? Don't lie to me. Every hand should go up. You've judged worship. Oh, I, don't, I don't like that song. Man, I've started changing what I say and how I respond. God, did you like that song? Father, were you pleased in what we did this morning? You know, I know in the church of this size with this many people, I'm going to have a critic in the crowd. But I think, I didn't ask what you thought. I asked God first. I do. I mean, I really do. Like, Lord, were you pleased? Were you satisfied? Was my heart genuine? Was it sincere? Was I practicing what I preached? Was my heart, you know, yielding to you in a way where people saw you and not me? Like, that's my, that's my real heart. Let me get, like, let me paint the other side. If this is your first time here, you're like, this pastor's all over the place. Sounds a little prideful. That was the goal for the illustration. Let me get back over here to the real raw me of, man, I can't do anything apart from God's power in my life. And let me tell you what, do you realize that the devil was created and given authority and it was used incorrectly? And the moment that happens, the pride of life or the pride of self as fast as you think you can get on a platform, you will be removed. That's why God talks all through his scripture about humility and responding correctly to have a soft heart. So we have to realize, number one, God alone is worthy of our worship. Number two, um, that you are not the objects of your worship. And number three, the devil wants to rob you of what he lost. Let me, let me unpack that really quickly. Um, this is worship before God's throne. So I want you to think about this before, you know, we talked about the war. We talked about all of the things that happened. But do you realize that Lucifer was giving access to the inner courts of God? It says he walked in and out of the fiery stones. He was the inner courts. He was the closest to God that you could be. Man, all I would know at that moment would be to fall face down and say, God, you are worthy and holy and right. And I am as filthy rags before you. I am left undone in the presence of a holy living God that at one word can change everything. At one word could end my life. Man, talk about this holy reverence fear that, that Lucifer was this close in the proximity of God. He looked good. He, he, he was beautiful. He was created as majestic. He was there in the presence of God. He was near. Close enough he could probably hear God's heartbeat. Man, to be in that place, to be that close to God, Than to mess it up, to be removed from that place, being that close to God. You know, there's a passage in Job where it says the devil just showed up. Him and his angels, he showed up and they talked about Job. And I said, how in the world can somebody just walk in? That was his place. Now, he had to, I'm sure he had to get granted access, but he was very familiar with the throne of God. Now, he had an agenda when he showed up. 
It was a mischievous agenda. But man, that was his, that was his office. That was his place. Close to God. Near to God. He made sure worshiping was happening day and night, night and day. That, you know, the moment his name was said, that the praises would go up from the assembly. Can you imagine being there in God's physical presence? The worship that happened around the throne. But when we worship around the throne, it infuriates the devil. Because we have access to the area that the devil lost. <laughs> this is where it gets really, really personal. Because we have that access to be as close as the devil was. He wants us to think that we don't have that access, but we each have that access to the Father where we can draw near, that we can draw close. John 10, 10, we quote this scripture a whole lot. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. And when we focus on worship, he does not want you drawing near to the Father. He does not want you being close. Um, and one of the biggest summaries, what, 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 what do I want you to take away from this message is that, you know, God wants you to be worshipers of him, not worshipers of self. I cannot be the focus center of my worship. But God alone is to be worshiped. We got to remember the devil and his angels were cast out of heaven. They were all followers of self-worship. They bought into the lie of the devil to be gods of themselves, to be greater than God. But the deceiver, the devil, will always be accuser of the people. So, Pastor, what are you saying this morning? There is a battle for your worship. And the devil of this present age wants to rob it from you. How many of you, as soon as you show up for worship, you're distracted out of your mind? It's a real thing. This devil knows, man, if I can just distract them or I can make something happen or I can make, make them get in a fight before they show up to church. There's a whole lot of ways that you can rob worship. Man, they ran out of donuts right before I showed up. I ain't even going to worship this morning. Come on. Devil will use whatever he can to mess you up. We think it's this big thing, but it's sometimes little things. But I tell you what, one of the biggest things that I hear often, I've even called some of our worship team. Well, I think da 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 And I'm not going to tell you what they said, but my response usually is, so it was all about you. When we make it about us and we don't make it about him, we are this close to maybe losing everything. It's always about God. It's always about what he wants. We got to realize that we really have free access to the father. Do you realize that? The devil does not want you to have that. You know, it's like if my kids, let me give you a quick, quick example of what it would look like, I guess. It would be like, I'm at home, I'm waiting, I'm sitting on the couch and I got great things for my children in store and my kids come running home from school and they're so excited to get in the house and to spend time with their father. But I have an accuser, a, a deceiver that's sitting on the porch and he says, no, you don't need to go in there, your dad's, your dad's mad at you. 
What do you mean he's mad at me? Well, yeah, the, you know, don't you know he hates your guts? That he doesn't want to have anything? You know, you don't even, you know, don't even waste your time. Man, and he will, he will create a lie and a deception, and he will trick you, and you're going to believe it to be true. But when I remember who the father really is, it changes everything. Because if my children know that, hey, I've done dumb stuff and I've messed up, my daddy's always forgiven me, and go in the house. Because when we get in the throne of God's presence, there are good, great gifts, and God loves us. That's where we are to abide and we are to live. But we can get distracted by the deceiver who stands on the outer. He's on the outer, 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 outer courts. He's not on the inner courts. All he can do is yell at you from the fence line now. He, he does not have access to the Father's presence like we do anymore. And he doesn't want you to engage in the most life-changing moment of all of creation. Because it says in the word that we are changed from glory to glory, moment to moment. If you have truly tasted and seen the presence of God, you cannot remain the same. Two things will happen. You will either change or you will run. But you cannot remain the same in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. But there's a battle for your worship. And the devil of this present age wants to rob from you. Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have free access to the Father. Let's close with this passage from Revelations 12, 10 through 11. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his uh, Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And this is the key. Verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. What that was saying, they were not afraid to die. But they overcame him by what? Two things. The blood of the lamb, which ain't nothing on my part. But then the second thing is very much my part. The word of their testimony. What God has done and will continue to do. And, and you know what? If you will remember what Christ has done for you previously, it's really easy to engage into his presence. Because I remember what God has done in the past and he's going to be faithful in the future. Can you guys stand up with me? There is a battle, man, I really hope I communicated this in a good way, that there is a battle raging for your worship. We got to get beyond ourself. We got to get outside of our head even sometimes and willfully give God the worship that he is oh so deserving of. Well, I don't want to clap. <laughs> so it's about you. Well, I don't want to shout. Huh, well, then perhaps you forgot what Jesus did because that will make you shout. But guess what? Yes. Thus again, so it's about you. It always has to do very little with us and very much about God. How many, have you have, have, how many of you in the room have really struggled to be a passionate worshiper? And you, you define that however you want. I've always had an issue being a passionate worshiper. I'm praying that today the chains that bind you from free worship would be released off your life today and you'd be free to worship God in spirit and in truth. 
Hey, so I got, I got to, I got to tell you one more thing. For those of you who struggle, pretend the devil's sitting right outside the doors of this church. Just kick him in the teeth real good when you walk in. That's all you got to do. Because when you enter the Holy of Holies, everything changes. It's a good place. It's an exciting place. It's a place you can't wait to get to. Because I know, man, my week might be tough, but if I can make it to Sunday, it's going to be all right. Well, I hope that your worship is bigger than Sunday and actually becomes about a lifestyle. Because then I have access to the Father all the time. In every moment. Worship is a key, guys, that will unlock the power of God in your life. But today, we must choose to battle for our worship. Know your place. Keep your heart right. Allow all of your motives and focuses to always be on what pleases God rather than what pleases self. That's the key. Know yourself. Be aware of the tactics of your, the enemy. And your victory in battle will be ensured. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one under the sound of my voice this morning. God, I pray that their lives would be lives of worship unto you. Father, we just rebuke the plans of the enemy to just rob our worship. God, that we would be the worshipers that you've called us to be. Father, for those that have struggled to worship, maybe the enemy's manipulated or confused or just uh, maybe fear of people. Uh, maybe it's just being uninformed of what heavenly worship really looks like. Father, whatever it is, Father, that you would move, remove those blinders, that they would see the kind of worship that you're calling them to. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you that we have access to all of your worship. And Father, that we can boldly come into your throne of grace with confidence, covered by the blood, and our transformed lives will be full of your testimonies because we've seen the goodness of God in this lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, right before you go, so next week we're going to go into a new series. It's going to be called Come and See. This is going to be a series that I want you inviting your lost friends to. This is where the one you're like, man, I don't know, Pastor Noe, sometimes you preach about that. I believe that this is going to be a series that people come to know God. That the lost begin to be saved. That we just don't talk about the power of God, but we see the power of God. So I want you guys to come back next week, invite a friend. If you want to say, hey, uh, man, we're going to two services. It's going to be really cool. Like, I don't, whatever you got to say to get your friends and lost people here, bring them. Come excited. Be praying for the next service. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Y'all be blessed. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.